0: Through innovation, academic excellence, and family-centered clinical care, Children's Mercy Kansas City is transforming outcomes for children around the world. Welcome to the audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host, Dr. Michael Smith.
1: So welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I am Dr. Michael Smith, and our topic today is Words Matter, Communication and Palliative Care. My guest is Dr. Brian Carter. Dr. Carter is professor of pediatrics in the School of Medicine, University of Missouri-Kansas City. Dr. Carter, welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you, and good morning to all.
1: So, you know, in the context of palliative care, how important is it to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it?
0: Well, arguably, um, those questions and the import of addressing those questions um, really prevail throughout all of medicine. Uh, it's always uh, incumbent on the physician to be able to know what to say, how to express it, and uh, when, perhaps, to bring certain things into consideration. But this, perhaps, is doubly so in the context of critical care medicine and in Interjecting those concepts into a narrative of of, uh, a clinical diagnosis, uh, a trajectory of an illness, the length of a hospitalization, can be uh, very dicey. Uh, Perhaps clinicians and parents alike uh, would not be ready
1: to receive
0: such a redirection or a reconsideration of goals. So it's very important.
1: So in the setting of, say, like an ICU, um, when is it best, then, to to discuss palliative care options with the patient and the family?
0: Well, in an intensive care setting, uh, one has to look at the reason for admission to the intensive care unit. Generally, the reasons are life-sustaining, cure-oriented interventions to rescue a patient who has a life-threatening condition or perhaps a, a threatened loss of function. Uh, Intensive care medicine often starts uh, towards those goals and is quite accomplished in being able to achieve those goals across a broad age spectrum in pediatrics, from the neonate all the way up to the college-aged young adult or adolescent. But when, when such goals are being pursued, are meeting with frustration, that is, treatments that are offered are now not quite able to accomplish those goals, Uh, it's very important to introduce them as a consideration for what we can and what we cannot achieve. So this happens in critical care medicine uh, across, again, age spectrum, uh, variably from 10 to 20 percent of the time.
1: So when, you know, when we're about to discuss, you know, palliative care, do you have some advice on maybe things not to say initially to a patient and family members?
0: Well, oftentimes uh, we say things because we're wanting to be able to offer hope or some consolation. Uh, The things that really are untimely or poorly received by parents, have been expressed by parents when surveyed, and these include words like, I know how you feel, because oftentimes a parent would express that unless you've been in my circumstance and dealt with a child having the same condition, no, you don't know how I feel. So uh, wariness about that. Another uh, consideration is the use of terms that we use every day in particular contexts Oftentimes, we may say, the labs look better, or she looks better today. Better connotes improvement, perhaps along the lines that the hopeful parent is expecting cure to result from. But improvement isn't necessarily what we mean as clinicians in discussing a lab result being better or the patient's chest x-ray looking better. So being careful about the use of such terms as those. A third would be the the phrase, doing everything. Uh, when someone asks that you do everything for their child, uh, I consider that an invitation to explore what everything means. Everything can that ultimately results in the child's death. And finally, a a word uh, that would also be highly charged is when clinicians use the word futile. Uh, To say something is futile suggests that it can't accomplish the goal for which it's being directed. Uh, Parents might ask, well, it's futile to who, when, and how. Mm. It's not futile Mm. to me if my child is still alive, and the clinician may be expressing a thought that something is Physiologically futile or cannot be accomplished in a strict clinical or medical sense, while the parent or family is more concerned about relationship, the fact that their child is still present, and the value of that presence.
1: Now, we're not just talking about verbal communication here either, are we? What are some of the nonverbal cues that doctors should be aware of?
0: Well, nonverbally, We all stand to improve our uh, position in uh, communication. Facial expressions we oftentimes don't even realize may be conveyed unless we engage in simulation practices in which we videotape and then go through a debrief and feedback session and see exactly how we come across in such situations. But body posture is something we can certainly attend to, sitting rather than standing over a patient. Uh, The use of hands, the use of silence and pause in a conversation that allows for some reflection and perhaps even digesting what was just said. Leaning into a conversation, perhaps across a table or a body posture that leans forward and looks eye to eye, uh, suggests that you're engaged in the communication process and you're hearing what is being said remembering that it's important to listen far more than it is to speak oftentimes in these conversations. So there are some nonverbal cues. Eye movement may be something that we need to attend to. Again, looking into the parent or patient's eyes is very important, as opposed to shifting eye movements that really convey a, a sense of distraction.
1: And at Children's Mercy, are you providing medical students, residents, fellows, this type of training in com- uh, verbal and, and non-communication, uh, non-verbal communication communication skills?
0: Uh, yes, we do engage in communication training, and uh, some of that is done through the School of Medicine at UMKC. Other uh, training exists for residents, uh, and many of the fellowship programs at Children's Mercy have simulation labs in which... Such conversations are uh, undertaken, and the use of video feedback, peer feedback, uh, as well as mentoring uh, takes
1: place. Uh, last question. So when when it's time to have the conversation about palliative care with a patient and, and the family... How important is it to maybe bring in other people into that conversation, maybe a counselor, a social worker? Do you find that to be helpful as well?
0: Uh, yes, and to be honest with you, the the practice of uh, pediatric medicine, especially in a tertiary care uh, hospital such as Children's Mercy, is oftentimes very much team-based and not solo physician-based. So, Many clinicians will, in fact, work together in an interdisciplinary team, even in the ICU or on the general inpatient wards, Uh, that meaning that there is uh, a utilization of social workers, nurses, psychologists sometimes, child life specialists, in addition to the physician, him or herself. Beyond the team that might be unit or service-based in a clinic or ward, as mentioned, uh, there are often added values in bringing in experts in communication through the palliative care team, and sometimes when things become difficult, even utilizing an ethics consultant.
1: So Dr. Carter, I want to thank you for you know all that you're doing, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Thanks for listening.